IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Insurance Business America Cyber Podcast Series. I'm Betha Moorcraft, Deputy Editor, and in today's episode, I'm very lucky to be joined by Sean Ram, Head of Insurance at Coalition, a technology-enabled cyber insurance firm. Sean, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, pleasure to be on the call. Excellent. Great. Well, today we're going to be talking about the, the cyber risk landscape. Um, seems to me like I read about a privacy breach or a ransomware attack um, almost daily these days, but this hasn't always been the case. Um, so I think in order to understand the current threat landscape, we need to take a look back at the start, sort of back to the, the dot-com companies of the 1990s and early 2000s. So, so Sean, in, in the past 20 years or so, how have you seen the risk, the cyber risk landscape evolve? Oh, I think it's evolved quite tremendously, um, and I think it continues to change at, a, at an accelerated rate. I think um, the proliferation of technology as a driver to the economy is a significant reason why cyber risk has evolved and changed. I think more and more companies over time have recognized that technology is a driver in increasing efficiency and improving productivity and in just making the world, you know, a happier place in in many ways. Um, Unfortunately, that technology creates risk. And that risk, when technology doesn't do what it's supposed to do or when it's exploited by third-party adversaries or internal employees um, when mistakes occur, that technology exposes data and information and causes interruption in, in companies' businesses, um, which creates havoc. It causes problems. Unfortunately, what the world has done in order to combat these technological uh, problems, these, these changes that occur, uh, hacking events, etc., is to apply more technology to the problem. Mm. And this vicious cycle of purchasing technology to improve business, and then having that technology create problems, and then purchasing more technology, and having the same risks occur, um, is a problem that's occurred, as you mentioned, since the the late 90s, early 2000s. And I think the industry is beginning to recognize that there is a better way, right? The, The ability to apply risk management techniques and risk management tools such as insurance and such as other mitigation practices and procedures are valuable methodologies to truly solve cyber risk. Um, but I think, I think you're right that the landscape has changed tremendously since uh, over the past 20 years. I think with that technological change and individuals and consumers, businesses have recognized the value of data and of information and the need to store information and protect information and this i'm not just referencing kind of um, things that have existed for a long time such as personally identifiable information uh, phi credit card information i'm referencing things like intellectual property uh, trademarks um, copyrights um, patents etc i think just the world of how the manner in which we store and protect valuable information creates risk. Um, and as technology attempts to solve that risk, um, there are other ways in which we can mitigate against these risks associated with data loss. Mm. Okay, so essentially as companies sort of store and collect more and more data that their cyber risk is, or their cyber exposure is growing? 
I think I think yeah I think I think the data element is the area of risk that um, the cyber risk industry has capitalized on from the beginning. I think very early we recognize the data loss associated with, as I mentioned, just loosely termed PII, PHI, credit card information, et cetera, was something that the cyber risk industry has been attempting to protect for a long time. I think as technology has improved and as technology has become a more mainstream part of everyday life for consumers and businesses, we recognize that when technology doesn't do what it's supposed to do, there's additional problems that, that, that can occur. As an example, you know, today in many manufacturing facilities, their uh, supply chain, their uh, industrial control system, SCADA system, inventory control systems, logistics are all driven by technology. And although there's not quote unquote data that may be lost when technology fails, you could have equipment shut down, you could have products manufactured inappropriately, you could have products not manufactured at all as an example of how technology or how cyber risk has evolved from from data loss to items more associated in insurance terms such as like business interruption or bodily injury or property damage, even pollution related matters. Yeah. Today, technology is kind of permeates throughout the entire ecosystem of business, and so there's many opportunities for risk beyond simply the data uh, that I referenced earlier. Mm, that's interesting. Um, if we can, we take a look at some of a, a few incidents or cyber incidents that have happened in the past sort of 10 years or so um, and some of the implications they've had on the marketplace. So, you know, a few that uh, spring to mind would be perhaps the target data breach in 2013 um, and then possibly if we could also talk about the NotPetya ransomware attack in 2016. They're two different incidents, um, but they both had hugely... Uh, they were both hugely significant in terms of, you know, cyber risk and people, you know, raising people's awareness of cyber risk. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts on, on those two incidents and, and sort of how they impacted the industry? Yeah, so um, the, the target data breach was, was, as you mentioned, relatively early in the scope. And, and I think just from a consumer perspective, recognizing the brand and significance of target um, stores in the U.S. economy, that was a significant a significant effort, right? It, it impacted not only individuals who were um, in business, individuals who were very focused in privacy and focused in cyber, but it, it impacted your average consumer, your, 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 your mom of, of, um, of a few children who goes to Target on a regular basis simply shopping for groceries and saying, wow, this is something I have to think about, right? This is, I have to deal with state data breach notification, right? I was notified by, by Target, you know, they offered me credit monitoring. Is this something I should do? Should I par participate in any class action? Like even investors of Target uh, being aware of, of the impact of what a Target, uh, excuse me, what a cyber breach does. Shortly um, in the same time frame of Target was Home Depot and and the manner in which these two entities kind of notified the public were very different. And so thinking about how their their stock prices changed in reference to the manner in which they treated this incident uh, was, was also very interesting. But in short, I think it just gave a, a tremendously greater awareness of this problem associated with cyber. 
and that no one's data is truly protected, right? Everyone assumed that the target had every protocol, every procedure in place, being such a large, large, sophisticated entity. Um, but we recognize that, that everything is hackable. And so I think one of the things that Target did was really just increase the awareness amongst your, your lay consumer that breaches are inevitable and that everyone is hackable, that, that, that privacy is, is not as strong as perhaps the perception was prior. And, and that was an interesting impact. From an insurance standpoint, I think, you know, some details regarding Target's purchasing of insurance were, were exposed. And I think there was an understanding as well that, you know, the amount of insurance that most companies are purchasing, particularly in the larger markets, is likely not sufficient when, when everything goes south. And when we're having a large-scale data breach, um, the, the nature of purchasing you know, one or 200, 300 million dollars of coverage when you have, you know, hundreds of millions of records um, can be can be difficult, right? Can yeah. it may not be sufficient? Mm. And so those are some interesting learnings about um, the the target experience. Um, not Petio was was a, a very different experience. Obviously, far more recent, and. Um, you know, as we as we think about what happened with Montpetia, there's I think there's a, many things that we learned in that experience that were, first of all, very different. Um, the first one is um, when we first, ex the, the nature of how we thought about breaches in the past, I think we're far more focused on individual entities. Excuse me, um, and experiences where one company was hacked. And that hacked caused a lot of different um, problems for one particular entity. I think it, with the story of NotPetya, you saw companies that were many companies that experienced the exact same attack um, within a relatively uh, relatively condensed time period, um, and it happened in many places. Um, and um, and so when you have this experience of malware being imposed, imposed upon many companies, the, the media attention upon that and the, the manner in which the adversarial community, or excuse me, the, the cybersecurity community looked at it, I think it was just very, very different than what we experienced in the past. Um, Malpetia had, you know, malware that affected thousands of computers um, worldwide. And as you as you look at that, and you and you see the attempt of NotPetya and their aim to encrypt the hard drive of infected infected computers, I think there was many potential tools that helped it spread and infect computers. Um, and then also, I think you know the perception of NotPetya was that it was viewed as a state-sponsored Russian cyber attack, right? Kind of masquerading a bit as ransomware. And so when we when we come to the conclusion that one particular adversarial group can attack thousands of computers around the world, then we understand a bit more. The, we, we begin to have more of a glimpse of the aggregated exposure that cyber risk had. We talk about it a lot. Um, when, normally when we talk about aggregation in our industry, in the insurance industry, we address it in the context of cloud computing. Um, having some large cloud provider go down and impact many, many customers, whether it be their limitation liability, their insurance limits, et cetera. 
Malpetia exposed kind of how one adversarial group can actually impose a threat upon many customers at the same time. And I think that was a key learning from that experience. Yeah. In t- from a media perspective, um, I feel like NotPetya really kind of um, it brought this this issue of ransomware to light in, in a way that it hadn't been brought sort of before. Um, and now I feel like that is a, a key focus. Um, I know ransomware is also you know a growing risk in the cyberspace. Um, so sort of since NotPetya, so in the, na- in the last two or three years, have you seen that uh, ransomware risk uh, evolve and change? Yeah, it, it's a great point. I think ransomware is like the conglomeration of many, many experiences that have happened in the past. You have your standard um, kind of the malware, as I mentioned, and, and, and infected computers kind of taking data and information hostage. I think you also have this idea of, um, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, frankly, right? And the ease of use of disseminating currency compensation in a manner that is, you know, perceived to be untrackable and anonymous. Um, Couple that with various experiences happening in the cyber world associated with how technology is, is is delivered. Um, uh, for example, the ability to remote into a, a network and, um, you know, ad- either with admin controls or not, my ability to access someone else's computer from afar, um, I think is a, is a large source of ransomware, right? Um, this is more often referred to as remote desktop protocol, RDP. And I think all of these kind of instances coming together and in a similar fashion over the past couple of years has created this tremendous opportunity um, called ransomware for adversaries to exploit companies, hold data hostage, um, and earn, frankly, uh, you know, sizable income. We see ransomware range from you know small amounts like ten or twenty-five thousand dollars worth of of cryptocurrency up to to millions and millions of dollars and so it is a easy source of income and the ability to infiltrate many customers and exploit their data and and ask them to pay you money and you know perhaps you pay them and and they still retain the data information or they give you the the encryption key or they extort you for more Uh, i think it's a significant problem and i think that's it's going to continue in terms of um the types of companies, and we're seeing a lot of municipalities, a lot of school districts get impacted with ransomware today. There's a lot of information that is housed by these entities. Uh, It's very easy to have um, uh, media attention, to have individuals that are disappointed with having their data lost. Uh, And so there's pressure to pay the ransom. And then finally, historically, you know, school districts and municipalities perhaps have not put the attention um, to cybersecurity as other as other types of entities perhaps have. And so you have this perfect storm of ransomware that's occurring all, all across the world and most notably throughout the U.S. Mm. Another thing I've sort of noticed from talking to people about this is that sort of smaller businesses potentially read about ransomware attacks uh, in the news or they see it news coverage, but they think, you know, that's not going to happen to me because I'm only holding... 
50,000 uh, records. Uh, I don't have a huge um, income and therefore I'm not going to be a target. Um, is that an issue that you know, you're seeing? And then to what extent is this really a, a business-wide risk? You know, it could impact any size or sector. Yeah, I mean, as as you're you're probably aware, Coalition has thousands and thousands of customers below. You know, let's just use the term twenty five million dollars of U.S. revenue, and uh, we experience our policyholders have this experience, um, um, just like others, right? Um, and ransomware is something that I don't think anyone is really immune to. Um, I do think there's some simple things a small business could. Um, could do in order to mitigate against ransomware. Um, I think the, the comment that you made originally, which is, hey, I don't have that many records or I don't have that much cash. Um, I referenced earlier how ransomware could be as small as $10,000. It could be like, you know, there are some custom, some adversaries that really spend all of their time in the small business and do everything they can to exploit many, many, many customers because it's so easy just to earn a few thousand dollars. Obviously, there are other adversaries that are very focused on much larger entities and are looking for a greater bang for their buck. Um, but if you can spend some time in the SMB space and extort some customers, that gives you the capital to perhaps put in the time and effort needed in it into a larger customer. Um, unfortunately, there, this is to some degree, resource constraints and economics. And for that, um, kind of hitting the little guys for a while gives you the resources and the compensation needed to attack larger entities. Sean, thank you very much. Uh, we'll have to hold it there, but thank you for sharing some great insight with us today. Um, if you enjoyed that episode, make sure to tune in to the rest of the Cyber Risk series, uh, where we'll, we'll be looking at cyber risk mitigation, the insurance coverages that are available and, you know, best practice breach response. Also follow us on Twitter at InsuranceBizUS, Facebook and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us for the cyber edition of IBA Talk. Be sure to listen to parts two, three and four now available on SoundCloud and Stitcher as we learn more about risk prevention, cyber coverage solutions and risk response.